Good morning. Good to see everybody. Certain things stick in my mind when I hear announcements like bowling alley pizza. Have you guys ever had bowling alley pizza? It's really good. So might just consider going for that. It'd be worth it. All right. We close out our series today, Be Rich. We've been on it for a couple of weeks. And the series, um, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. A guy named Paul is writing to a pastor. His name is Tim. Tim's church the way they think about money and deal with money is all messed up. And so he's, Paul's seen it. And so he's writing him like, you need, to, you need to give them a certain message. You need to tell them certain things about money. And so it's really good instruction for how to think about money and how to handle money for those of us who would say that we are Christian. So this is what we've picked up so far, a little review, and then we'll get into it. Um, it starts out, it says, for those who are rich in this present age... So last week, there was some pretty good ev evidence that we, we might be richer than we think. We talked about that. So this is probably for us. For those who are rich in this present age, do a couple of things. One, don't be proud. That's the first thing he said. If whatever, don't be proud because what you have, you didn't do. Anything you have, God put it there. And our own passage says that. Anything you enjoy, God is the one who richly provided it. You guys enjoy some stuff? God, God is the one that put it there. So don't be proud and don't put your hope in it. Don't put your hope in money because, I mean, it, it can do a lot of things. I mean, it, it can bring good things into our life. I mean, comfortable things. I want this and I want this and I want this. And if you have enough money, you can do it. And that's why we love it. Part of why we love money. It can give us a certain amount of power to do those things. But it can't do certain things. One, it, it can't keep death away. Death comes for the poor and the rich. I mean, it can kick it away for a while if you have enough money, but it, it's coming. And money can't give you life together with God after you die. We saw that last week. It's probably not something you think about every day. Like, well, I really wasn't thinking about my life forever with God after I die. And it might not be a big deal or on your mind today, but someday it will be the biggest thing. That was the guy, that was the rich man who died and found himself separated from God in eternity and sent message back to, or wanted to send message back to his five brothers. Hey, go tell my five brothers, don't do it like I did it. Put my trust in money, put your trust in God. So those are the don'ts. The do's so far have been to be rich in good deeds and to, sh and to share. If you have an open-handed posture with money, with stuff, whatever God put there, then when you see a need, be generous with it when you see that need. So the way we've done that, the practical application in the series so far, is to show you people in need through the organizations that serve them. So these are the organizations. And, you know, we just, we pick them. They're in our community. Well, one of them, is, or three of them are, but one of them is the, the ABC. It's the Bible College in Africa down here. But the Connecting Center and and House of Hope and Helping Hands, and they have very specific ministries towards people in need in our community. And so we said if, if 400, of the, 400 of us that roll through the big room on Sunday morning as part of Life Community Church would just give $40 once throughout this series, that would be 16000 that we could divide up amongst those to do a couple of things. One, to help them stay on the front lines doing what they're doing, helping those in need in very specific ways. And two, it would give us a chance to practice being good at 
being blessed or being good at being rich, to actually practice looking like what we're reading in this passage to be generous. The question is, really then, why? Why be generous? Why the message about be generous? What is the reason to be generous? Well, the first one was this. This is the primary. The primary reason why anyone in a church setting would stand here from a platform and profess, be generous, be open-handed with what God gave is because of grace. That is the primary reason. You can stand here unapologetically and say to those who claim Christ, be generous because God has been generous with us. Here's the verse from last week. Don't forget it. It's the, reason, it's the underlying reason for generosity. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich for your sake became poor so that by his poverty we would become rich. That Christ set aside everything that he had to come down here for us to make us rich in ways we could never be on our own. Do you know that? Has it shaped your heart? Do you think about it? Do you meditate on it? I've heard this phrase often and from different preachers, never graduate from the gospel. That, that's what will get you started, that good news, and that's what will keep you going. It's actually, I thought about it this way, it has proved to be this for me, it's like a fountain. It just, it'll just keep bubbling up. That's what, that's what will move you along. So how's that? Do you know that? Do you know grace? It's supposed to turn you into a generous person because you're, you've received so much. You can't just be a taker your whole life. You can't just take and take and take. Then you're like, I've received so much I'm going to give. So that's one. Two, though, um, Paul this time gives us another reason. We expand on the why today. Now, Paul knows that because he wrote that. Paul, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 8, so he knows that's a reason. But he gives us another one today, and it has to do with rewards. So you can write that. If you're a note taker, it's in there. Another reason why. What if, as a reason why to be generous, what if every single act of generosity that we put, that we put forth in this life was somehow seen by God, noticed by God, recorded by God, and we would be paid back for it later? Is that true? I ask you guys to look into this truth about rewards in the scripture. If you did, today's just going to be reviewed. Just kick back, relax. If you didn't, you're really going to like what you hear today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So this is what he says as another reason why. He includes this. This is kind of the last verse of our text that we've been in. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Focus on the, on the end. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Do then, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Future, 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 future. So it's way out there so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So whether you knew it or not, in this verse, he just pointed us beyond this present life. So we just left the planet. So, did you feel it? We just left. And he's pointing us to a future, saying, if you do something in the here and now, in the present age, 
it's going to reap a reward or pay you back later in the future. So let's pray and ask God to show us this truth so it would sink into our heart that we might be generous. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for this truth. Help me to teach what you want taught in the church that's been taught in the church for a long, long time. And I do pray that you make it stick where it needs to stick. It's your truth, this idea of rewards, not our, not our idea, yours. So help us to see it and know it and change us with it. Change us by your word, your spirit, and your truth. That we would be generous and people would see us do it and you would get the glory. And at the same time, we would be maximizing a future for ourselves, not because we're selfish, but because you said we could. So we ask it in Jesus' name and everybody said All right, so let's restate what we just heard in a simple sentence so we can get our mind around it. So this is kind of the last part of it, but I put this in your bulletin. If you care to, you can write it down. But what he just said was, as a reason why to be generous, that if if we show generosity towards others now, in the present age, it will result in treasure for ourselves later. So today up here, this is going to represent kind of this half is going to be the present age. This is the here and now. And then this over here, I'll push it a little further out because who knows, right? And this is going to be the future age. When I walk this way, at some point in time, I'm going to cross through death and enter into the age to come. So life beyond life here, all right? So this is future and this is present. And the idea is, actually brought some money today too, not a lot, so nobody stormed the platform. And no, I'm not giving it away. It's not one of those things like, hey, I answered the question right. No tricks. All right, it's just 10 bucks. All right, but here's the idea that that if we're generous now, that somehow, so how generous do you want to be now? Go ahead. Super, all right, so I'm going to be as super as I can because the math only works. I'm going to give half, all right? Somehow, if I'm super generous here, that it it goes away from me here, but at the same time I do it, it's going to show up over here. So it leaves me here and goes away in the present age, but as I go on, it's going to be waiting for me. It's going to come back to me here. So treasure later. It's like consequences for your actions. Have you, you've heard the phrase? be consequences for your actions. I'm very familiar with the phrase, (laughs) young man. And it always rolls up in a negative way, doesn't it? Well, this is going to, this is, what he's saying is going to roll up in a good way, that there's going to be a consequence for this action later in a good way. A guy wrote a book, his name is Bruce, and he wrote a book called A Life God Rewards. He called this this link in here, this connection between what we do and what will happen, the law of the unbreakable link. It just means that there's a connection there between the two. What we do here, behavior will change the way this is what we experience when we actually get to this future age. Now, here's the important part to know. This is God's idea. Because this sounds like something I would think of, right? Or you. Like, hey, God, I got an idea. Let's say... Let's say I give you a little, let's say I'm rich towards you or I'm generous here, 
and, and I can only enjoy this in a very temporary rate. How long do we have to enjoy this? It's, it's limited, right? It's temporary. Let's say I just give you a little here. Will you let me enjoy something in the same proportion forever here? Sounds like something I would say, or you. But this isn't our truth. This is his. I mean, he's the one that's revealing this link. Jesus actually taught about it all the time. He showed us. Paul's just robbing it. He knew it was taught by God, revealed by God, and so he put it in his message because he, he got it straight from him. And here's what I want you to see. Set money aside for a second. This unbreakable link between the here and now and what will be, it's in play all the time on, on all sorts of things, probably things in your life that seem insignificant to you and you don't even think about, like, we'll do a few, like lunch today. Who's going to lunch? One person. It's going to lunch. All right, do you have plans to take anyone with you? And, here's my question, does who you take with you today to lunch matter in any way? Turns out it does. Like, watch this. This is the link that God reveals. So this is Luke 14, says, when you go to lunch or have a lunch, maybe you're having people in, maybe you're going, it matters who you invite. Don't just invite people that you know and like, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, because those people may be able to pay you back. Invite instead the, I think the phrase it used, like, it would be like the lame, the blind, the poor, the maimed. So that sort of person, because they can't pay you back. They can't take you to lunch later or make lunch for you. And in so doing, your heavenly father will, this is going to be the rewards here. So when I'm over that, God will reward you. Reward. Something as simple as who you invite to lunch today could pay dividends for you forever. And, and God's the one that's holding it out to us. So be careful who you invite to lunch. Some of you are going to get invited to lunch today <laughs> after this, and then you're going to know what they think about you. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Eternal rewards. <laughs> so just think about it. Prayer. Do you pray? You pray for anyone? Maybe we just came through a prayer series trying, trying to help us to see that what again, God has revealed that prayer makes a difference, that God has decided that he's going to act on the basis of our prayers, that this thing out here is going to happen, and God will do it if and when we pray. It's going to, he's going to do it, but prayer is part of the process. You don't have because you don't ask, so ask. You're invited into the unfolding of things. And so you came out of this series, you're like, I'm praying. I'm going to help. I've got people in and around my life, and I'm going to pray for the unfolding in certain ways. And so you've done that. Does it matter? Turns out it does. Matthew 6. When you pray, go into your room. So go into your room so no one can see. So it does matter. There is a condition on this. Don't do it like in front of everyone. Like, brother, you... You look down, I'll pray for you today. And everybody can hear it. Roll into the restaurant. <clears throat> Shall we pray? <laughs> if, if there's a reward, you just got it. Go into your room where no one can see and you pray and you fight and you intercede for those. And if you do and your father sees what, you, what is done in secret, he will 
reward you for prayer. The simple act of prayer is connected with this. We should have used this during the prayer series. We could have cranked up more prayer. Out of it. If you'd have known it then, you'd have, I should have used it. I will next year. Your boss. How many have a boss you love? How many not so much? All right, yeah. Hang in there. So he or she, they never give you any credit. They lord it over you. There's never, like, you do all the work, they did, right? And you can't, but, and you want to say it so bad, and you come right up to it, and then you don't. But you just keep showing up and doing it. Keep doing it. Look what happens. Ephesians 6, serve wholeheartedly. Take the person out of it. Serve as if you were serving the Lord. And if you do, please know that your heavenly Father will reward you. It's okay. Tell them Monday. Go in and tell them Monday. Thanks for being a jerk. But you don't have to say it that way. You could say this. You could say this. Thanks for being how you are. Because every day, you give me the opportunity to make my heaven better. You just go back to your neck. Is it true? It's true. You, you serve. Uh, someone rolled out to me this week just something ugly. And they were wrong in doing it verbally. And I could have easily rolled it back just the way and better. Because I knew more about it and they were wrong and I could have just laced them. And I didn't do it. Now I did it 10 times in my car. And every time it was really, really good. And every time I did, it got better, and they were totally got. Do you guys do that? <laughs> like, man, that was so good. That was just, and so you can revel in that. But I didn't do it. And it turns out that, I, and I didn't even know this, but it turns out that it, good for me. Luke 6, when someone rolls it out to you in not a good way, the easy thing to do is to roll it back to them just the way or even worse. But if you don't, if you don't return evil for evil, if you return evil for good, trust and know that God will reward you. It's, here's what I want you to see. It's everywhere. It's in play right now in the tiniest things. And so the little things we do now can rack up and change. There are all kinds. I mean, here's another one. This has to do with kids. I mean, there. What I want you to see from this is example after example after example of this unbreakable link. Now, whose idea is it? It's God. I love this verse in, in Hebrews 11. It says, you need to know this about God. Anyone who comes after him needs to know that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Do you know that God calls himself a rewarder? It's part of who he is. Change the way you think about it. If you're someone who just thinks that God is far away and disinterested, sent his son, but now he doesn't care, or just kind of waits for you to crush you when you do something wrong, not at all. He defines himself as a rewarder. He wants us to see this and take full advantage of it. Now, we got to be honest about a few things because it's dangerous with people who are religious. And when I say religious, I mean we, we easily connect what I do with what I'll get from God. And so that's a religious mindset, and we are gospel good news people. So I have to make this disconnect to make sure we're clear. We're talking about rewards, but let's just say, here, I'm going to walk past this, this cup of cold water. 
If I walk past here, this is death. So if I step through into the heavenlies, this whole thing over here would be heaven. Do I get this? Let's not talk about that for a moment. Do I get this just by being good? In other words, is heaven itself a reward for my behavior? We're talking about behavior. No. What is the standard to to gain life together with God forever? What's the standard to go here? The standard is, is perfect. Can I become or you become perfect by doing all these things? I, I prayed and I didn't say anything to my boss and I was nice to people. All those things racked up can never make you perfect. It, there's not a scale here where God stacks it, stacks it, stacks it. 51% good, get in here. What's the standard? Perfect. The only way you get perfect, the only one who... The only one to attain the standard of perfection was Christ. And he said, the life I lived, I lived for you. It's that perfect. And here's an interesting way to think about it. It's laid out for us in the New Testament, a truth. We can actually hide ourselves inside the perfection of Christ. That's Colossians 3. You have been hidden with Christ in God. How do you hide? Who wants to be who wants to take you and all you are and to be hidden inside the perfection of Christ so when God looks at you, he only sees the perfection of his son? Who wants to be hidden? Perfect, me too. How do you get hidden? You have to ask him. Have you ever asked him? If you are someone who hasn't, don't listen today and go, well, if I'm just good enough, then all this is in play. This is not in play if you're only looking at what you do, do, do. You have to ask him to hide your imperfection inside of his so that, when, so that there is entrance, so that you can be together with God forever. You'll never ask him if you don't, I'm looking for a single word here, you'll never ask him if you don't believe. You have to believe that his life has something to offer you to hide inside. Otherwise, you'll never ask him. If you don't think you need it, you won't ask. But if you believe, you'll ask. And if you ask, he will do. And so belief gets you entrance. Behavior makes it better. We tracking? Huge point. Don't miss it. Belief gets you in. Together with God. Behavior makes it better. The other thing that I have to be honest about is I can't tell you what this treasure will be like and how you will experience it and how awesome it will be. I can't tell you because I don't know. Our, our own Bible tells us that we can't possibly know. I can't know and really explain this to make it worth it for you because I don't know because I'm over here with you. So it's uh, the guy that wrote the book, Bruce, he said, for us to, to try to explain how unbelievably good this is going to be is difficult. And so back away from it a little bit because it would be like trying to describe the wider world, the universe to you, if all I had to look through was a tiny keyhole to see it. Like scripture gives us a little tiny hole to see through what this might be like, but 
no eye has seen. I mean, nobody will know truly what it is until we get there, but we can try to look through. So it would be, I mean, this, this is the level we're talking on. If you don't know what the wider world and the universe is, it would be like me looking through going, it looks big. See some sparkly things in the sky. That's about all I can see. So there you go. It's big and there's some sparkly things. That's kind of, that's the amount we know. So we need to be honest about that. I cannot tell you, you receive treasure that will never wear out. I don't know what, I can't lay that out. So I'll just be honest about that. But here's what we can know. Belief is here. This will be, this existence will be inconceivably better than the present age. Two, it will not be the same for everyone. I think that's the click. Because of these rewards, because behavior leverages in some way what this will be like. And here's the last one. We can know this, that every single day we have between this day and that, we have the opportunity to make it better and better and better and better until we're there. So, honest about those things. We good with that? Money then is on this list too. So it's, is it part of the deal? Yes. Is it the whole deal? No. But do you see it? It's leveraged in the same way. So if you're gone through this series so far and you did, you were moved by what you, what you heard and you're like, yeah, I want to make a difference in some of these. I want to, I want to practice being good at being generous. And so you gave your 40 bucks. Maybe you did it two weeks ago, you've even forgot about it. It was so insignificant, but God didn't forget about it because he tells us when you help those in need, like this, when you help those in need, when your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing, so apparently most of the, give, the good giving is left-handed. Go ahead and give left-handed. When, you understand the picture there? When it's done in secret, I mean, you can't do it so everyone can see you do it and expect anything over to happen because you've already received it. But when you do it like that, quietly, $40 just goes in towards and helps those in need. God saw it, and you need to trust that he will reward you for that. So the question is, I'm going to kick this. You guys have been waiting for me to do it. I mean. So the question is, if this unbreakable link is in play, how generous will you be? Okay, let me say it this way. How generous will I be? So I'll just talk to myself that way. You don't have to feel uncomfortable. How generous should I be if it's in play? And think about this. God, why would we not be generous? It, especially if you think about it this way. We can enjoy this for a couple more years. We don't exactly even know how many, but we can enjoy this for some. But when it does go over, when we give it away and it goes over there, here it will go on and on and on and on forever. It won't wear out. And so it's, we would be crazy not to. This is the way God said it. After he revealed this truth, he said, you would be foolish not to give. You'd be foolish not to be rich towards me or generous because of what I've just shown you. I like it. God just being really upfront. He's saying, this is how it will all go down. Don't be foolish. He said it this way in 
Luke 12. It's a story, again, about a rich man who dies with lots of stuff. It's interesting how many stories Jesus tells about rich men who die with lots of stuff, but here's another one. The setting for the telling of the story is this. There's an argument going on between a guy and his brother about money, and they come to Jesus and they say, will you settle this? It was about inheritance. And Jesus said, who am I to be arbiter or judge between you? But let me tell you a story. He uses it as a teaching moment. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? And then he said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. Then he said to himself, now I have plenty laid up for many years. I will take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. If the story ends right there, it's a decent story. I mean, it's a, it, the guy seems smart, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? So he has a little, well, he has a lot, and then he gets a lot more. So much, he has to tear down, he either has to double stuff his one barn or tear it down and make just a big barn. But he has it all right there, and, and he believes that what he's going to do with it, his assumption is that everything that God has given him is for his consumption. So he packs it all in the barn, and then his, his plan is, all right, I'm going to save it. I'm not going to consume it all now. I'm just little bits over time until I die, and then it will go well with me. Which, isn't that what we're, is that not what we're trying to do? I mean, isn't that what we're told all over? I'm told that in every place I look about how to, how to handle my wealth, I'm told to do this. And it's actually proverbial. I mean, there are portions of scripture that say, do this, save, don't consume everything right away. Be like the ant, not like the grasshopper. Uh, the Proverbs 31 gal, if you looked her up, she's really awesome. You should read about her. She does the same thing. While she can get it, she gets it and she makes clothes and prepares food. And then when the winter comes, her children are warm and well-fed. It's good. That's advice I give to my own kids. Save. Be prepared. So if the story ends there, it's a nice story about saving, but it doesn't end there. The next verse is, after he says, self, I have enough stored up for a long time. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And then God says right after that, you fool. Because today... Tonight, your life is required of you, and who then will get all that you have saved for yourself? Every, nothing left his barn. It was all double-stuffed in there, and it was all for him. Seemed like a good idea, but then God said, you fool, why? So let's look, what is the, what is the net gain for this guy who packed it all in and was saving it for himself? What is the net gain? What, what does he come away with at the end of the day? What is the result for him? One, does he get any, if nothing was given away in generosity, it was all in his barn when he died, is anything rolled up for over here? How much? Zero. 
okay? So far, we're at zero. Does he take any with him? As far as we know, it's pretty easy, you know, answer. We all leave the same amount. Are you familiar with what that is? All. Um, are there any points for dying with the most stuff? Like, God is here, and you've trusted in my son, congratulations, and you died with the most stuff in your possession ever. Ring the bell. No. So it's still zero, and we talked about this one too. Is there anything about leaving it here that gains him anything? No. And is there any guarantee that the double-stuffed barn that was here is going to benefit anyone that he loved? There's no guarantee. God himself said, and who knows who will get what you have? We've talked about this. Go ahead and fix up your stuff and make it really nice for who? Who knows? I thought it this way. I mean, he's got a nice barn. He rebuilt it. It's just done. It's really full. It's probably the neighbor's kid who's going to get it. <laughs> you know, like, he, he was jealous from the day you moved in, and then he saw you build it, and he always wanted your stuff, and they never really got along, and don't you know how it's going to go? That's how it's going to go. Like, somebody you don't like is going to get it. But that's me. All right. It's, that's outside of Scripture. <laughs> What is the net result for him forever? Zero. He, lost, he had all that. Did he have opportunity? Oh, he had double-stuffed opportunity. And he let it pass. Now the opportunity is gone, and he can't. Here, here's the application verse. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So what is rich towards God? Rich towards God, he defines it later. At the very end of the story, is, is, this is verse 33, but rich towards God is the very thing that Paul is talking about in our passage. Rich towards God is sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. If he takes a certain portion, listen, if he had to tear down his barn just to build a bigger one. He could have given a lot, and then all that would be here waiting for him forever. To be rich towards God is to let it go away to others with the promise that it will come back to who? To who? Us. Does it feel selfish to think that way? This is God's truth. He's telling us this is in play. It's okay. You get to be, I get to be a part of this. So how much? And I want you to think this way, because it's what we have to wrestle with. How generous will you be? And I want you to think this way. Think percentage, not amount. Because it wouldn't be fair if, let's say the guy does have a huge barn and he can give a whole, whole bunch. And it does go over here and he gets to enjoy it forever. But you, you don't have a double stuffed barn. You don't even have a barn. You barely have car doesn't even run and you got right you just barely have enough and so it would be forever unfair you could never match what this guy was able to do so you would you would be forever shorted in eternity so it's not fair but it but it works out because God looks at percentage not the number of zeros do you know that 
he actually took the time to tell us. This is Mark 12. Here's some math that goes along with Mark 12, then we'll get to Mark 12. Do you, God took the time to tell us that percent matters. So here, here's a test, a little math. Sorry, we're doing math, but we're almost done. What's more, a person who makes 15,000 a year gives 15 a week, 780, 780 at the end of the year. Or the person who sits right beside them who makes 150 and gives 100. What's more? God would say, if we look at percentage, that the one on top is more. Listen to this. One day, Jesus is teaching. Disciples are around him. They roll up to the temple and Jesus pulls up a seat in front of the offering box, which is outside. Which is a little odd. Maybe like, we're going to watch people give. It's a new ministry here, by the way. Box watcher. <laughs> it's a big, tall chair. <laughs> Kidding. Watch this. So what happens? You guys know the story, right? They come rolling in, and the ones that got a bunch, do you suppose they were shy about telling you how much they were giving? So they're piling it on, and then in the midst of that, the widow comes, has two little tiny pieces, it, it totals up a penny or whatever it is, and she puts it in, and immediately Christ pulls him around there, and he says, guys, I want you to see this. That woman just gave, what is it? More. So percent matters. Like, why are we talking about this kind of detail in church? This is weird. We're talking about it because God thought it necessary. He took the time to tell us in his word that percentage matters. So he wants it expressed. So don't get caught up with the number. Just think percentage. So for the 10th time, this message, how generous will we be? What will you let go? Man, this is important. Now, let's be honest. It's hard to be. Because that over there is hard to get our mind around. I know we keep saying it's going to be worth it. But we know what this is. I mean, there's all kind of things we can do with it. And our now can be pretty enjoyable if we do assume that everything we have is for our consumption and we can make it pretty enjoyable. We know that. And that's tangible. And I don't want to let that go if I have to, you know, short myself a little bit. Even if this would be for myself later, it's still hard for me to get, is it hard for anybody to really get excited about this because it's so far out there? You don't know. And here's the other thing that works against us. It's called heaven. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right? Tell, that kind of works against you a little bit. Like you cross over, you're in like the, the place is called heaven. So <laughs> I'll just take getting in. Right? I don't know. I, all I know is what's been written down and I'm supposed to tell you and me that it's going to be worth it. That's about the extent of it. It's going to be worth it. A tiny illustration, kind of falls apart a little bit, but are you familiar with that little deal where they brought the kid into the room and they give him one marshmallow and then they tell him if you don't eat it, then you get two, and then they wait like five minutes and they, you know, 
They, eat, they just mutilate it, then they lay it there. They chew it all up and put it down. How did you get to? Well, they redid it. And this one, you can look this up. It was pretty good. They gave these kids a tiny little chocolate chip. And then if they didn't touch it or eat it, I mean, they could touch it. If they didn't eat it or consume it, then right beside it was this gift. It was all gift wrapped and nice. It was a present for them. And they got what was inside the box. And then they walked away and they just let them, you know, they just let them. And these kids are like, you know, just pushing it around and smelling it, putting it in their mouth and taking it back out, licking it. <laughs> One of them tried to open the present before. And some just nailed it. They just ate it. Forget it. Who cares? I don't know. They just got up and left. But the ones who waited, and they really, and they really did it, inside with this massive cupcake, like, it was huge, frosting overflowing, and their eyeballs were bugging out of their heads, like, and what, what you could see on their face was, I'm so glad I waited. I don't know. I know. Ours is even easier, though, if you think about it. Ours is, I've given you a whole bunch of chips, and all you have to do is share some. <laughs> and whatever you share will rack up to what you get to enjoy. So, I mean, that, that's the message that he wants you to hear. I don't know how that strikes you, but it's, these are the reasons we're given as God's people to give. So what shall you do? What shall I do? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard because, I mean, there's so many things in play, and I don't know that I, it's not that I don't trust God, it's just that I, I'd rather be comfortable now. Right? And Purdue's not free. The finest university in the land, I know, but it's not free. There's just stuff, isn't there? So at, at the end of the day, at the end of the message, you just have to say, the unbreakable link is in play. God revealed it, and he tells you, don't be foolish, go for it. So what shall we do? I would just simply say this. Pl just plan on it. Have a plan for your generosity, because no one was accidentally generous. Like, all of a sudden, I was just generous, and I didn't even mean to be. No one ever stumbles into generosity. Decide. Decide what you will give and pick a percent. I mean, just if last year was none, make it one. One percent more. There's a huge campaign going on right now in the financial sector about people saving in their 401k. And the big move is, the, the catchphrase is, one percent more. Just save for yourself one percent more and do it. It's all over the place. And they have these big gatherings and then they run a race. I'm not sure why they run the race, but whatever. I think they should just save one percent more and go home, but... It's okay. You can run too. One percent more. Just decide what it will be in light of what you've heard. If it was two, do three. And I could come right behind that and say, and why would we not? If it was three, do four. Some of you do ten. That's the tithe that you hear so often, the tithe. And for those of you who do tithe, and that's what struck your heart to do, or tithe and then some, thank you. We wouldn't even do this. There wouldn't be a gathering if you didn't. So 1% more. This thing tracks all the way through. It's not just, it's for the rich and the poor. So 1% more. 
plan on it. And the year's still early. You can still, don't be surprised at the end. Plan now. Make it a priority and a percentage, percentage and, and do it now in light of what you heard. And what you've heard is this, that, that you're blessed, probably richer than you would like to admit. Don't be proud because God put it there. Don't put your hope in it because it can't save you. Share and be generous because God has been generous with us and you have the opportunity to store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Don't miss the opportunity to be rich towards God while you still have it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to teach. I do, I do pray that it strikes and hits where it needs to and that you would make us generous based on the truths that you shared with us. Make it stick where it needs to stick. For your glory and our joy. And everybody said.